All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 402 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, today. Got Lonnie, St. Louis KISS. What's up? And 69th Blizzard, Ken. Hello. And Andrew Scambatti. Yellow, yellow, yellow. A live catman on the board, <laughs> which means that we're here to talk about KISS. Yay. Don't everyone look excited or happy. You, you know what's, yes. you know what's, you know what's funny? I, I always notice Again. episode numbers. And, and I think years ago, like, I was maybe on, like, KISS FAQ number one or two or in the first five I was on. And I can't believe that there's 400 episodes of this. So big congrats to, to Julian, everyone involved, and everybody watching this. So uh, I think it's cool that it's still going on years later. Yeah, I'm I'm thoroughly amazed and shocked. And when you look at the podcasts that are in, you know, triple digits, like Three Sides, like Podcast, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Ages of Rock, there, mm-hmm. you know, other Kiss podcasts that people yeah. still tune in to our shows and comment. Thank you very much. We appreciate your comments. We've been generating a lot of good comments of late. So, yeah. you know, without you guys watching, uh, listening, commenting correcting arguing there's no show um you know i'd still like to get together with these guys and chat kiss regardless of whether we were pressing record or uh having a topic and we do have a topic today and that is why andrew is here because andrew has i've done something else yeah again (laughs) he's done it again oops um yeah rock and roll party in tokyo the hd edition you've got coming out on April the 2nd, but before we talk about any of that, I want to talk about the original. For people out there who may be rock and roll party virgins, give them the information about the project in general and your original intent for doing all this. Well, basically, everybody knows that KISS was anticipating on recording a live record on that first Japanese tour in 77. And for whatever reason, it it was shelved after it was nearly completed. You know, Eddie Kramer mixed and mastered it. So, Um, We'll talk about the antithesis of the actual recording a little bit later on, but there was this basically this great live recording. And what I decided to do is I decided to take available footage from that Japanese tour using the Kissology Volume 2, Kissology Volume 1, Disc 2, Tokyo 77 show, as well as some inserts from the Young Music show and, and things like that, and kind of sync it up to the audio of this album and give you something to watch kind of a sequel to the greatest show on earth how that kind of gave you something to watch for kiss alive too i figured i'd do that for for this too so initially uh this was done years ago uh called the lost alive 2 movie mine differs uh, uh mine differs slightly because i don't put it in the same order as the set list i left the album order alone so the original lost alive 2 movie it actually moved some of the songs around to make it more like the live show was this time, I moved to, moved the live performances around to meet the album. So um, painstakingly synced it up, added some cool Japanese subtitles, Japanese animations, and I released it in, in 2019. 
people seem to really like it. I mean, uh, I've just decommissioned it. I really didn't do any promotion about it. This was just kind of something cool and something fun in the middle of the, the greatest show on earth and one last time. And um, I just wanted to do something cool and, and use this great live recording that basically a lot of people haven't heard. Cool. Were you surprised by the fan reaction back in 2019 when that originally came out? And, you know, the the whole live thing from that Tokyo tour or the Japan tour 77 has kind of taken on a life of its own in the Kiss Army. Yeah, you know, I was a little bit surprised because, as I said, I didn't really do any promotion for it. It was just kind of something that I threw out there just as like, hey, this is fun. I did this over a couple weeks. I had fun with it. Maybe you will, too. So I was surprised that people liked it. And I was also surprised that people forgot that it had already been done by somebody else. And this was kind of my version of it. So um, I, I'm always I'm always surprised that people tune into anything that I do because I sit and I make them for hours and hours and days and months. And I always think I'm going to put something out and no one's going to watch it. So I always I'm always um, surprised by the, the fan reaction. So people really dug it. Um, what I was able to do with this version of it is I was able to get a uh, lower generation copy that's been circulating for the last 20 years. So uh, for anybody that doesn't know this recording, it originally leaked out into fan circles through a cassette. The cassette was a copy off of the original master reels. Now, what it sounds like to me is something happened between the master reels and this cassette, whether it was poor transfer or, or something happened where there was oxidation on on the actual transfer so like you hear like a lot of hissing and scratching during some of the songs so either that cassette was damaged or there was a poor transfer that happened in between the actual master reels and the cassette so this cassette was put onto mini disc and the mini disc was put onto wave files and that's how it kind of got out there in the early to mid 90s uh, this copy that I used to sync up to the video footage back in 2019 and what I'm using today, it's right off that cassette. So it sounds warmer. It's lower in generation. It still has some of that oxidation that's in there, but it definitely sounds a lot more punchier than you know what fans have heard for the last 20, 30 years at this point. So I kind of wanted to use that and say, hey, this is cool. This might be something that you haven't heard if you're not in the bootleg collecting circle. And uh, it's 70s Kiss. What could be better? That was remastered by Anton, wasn't it? That's correct. Uh, Andy Sanford did the remaster from uh, in 2019. Anton, I, I mean, he's Andy. He's always Andy to me. So Andy Sanford did that, and he's credited on this project too. Nice. All right, before I let the guys loose on some of these other questions that we've got for you today, um, I'll finish up with these last two questions. And th this this one's a little bit ego, and I, I, I know that people always get mad when we talk about ourselves and our projects, um, you know, regardless of how proud we are, or how much they've enjoyed them. But where does this fit in, in your body of work in terms of, you know, how, how proud of you are of it and where does it kind of rank in what you've received in artistic validation while working on these projects. You make it sound so easy. Oh, I, I do an hour and hour, you know, a couple of weeks and, you know, I put it up there with no promotion, you know, so you make it, you almost seem rather blase about it. So where does it fit in against, you know, one last time or greatest show on earth, etc.? It definitely doesn't have the grandiose as greatest show on earth or one last time, because those are like actual narrative stories that I built over years. This is just something fun. This is just something uh, I consider this as like my cassette single. 
it still has quality work on it. But this is just something fun that's just supposed to whet people's appetite. I do have something coming out later in the year, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But this is just supposed to be something fun, something free, something maybe you haven't watched the show in a while. And this is a cool little edit for you to watch the show again. So um, I don't I don't have any delusions of grandeur. I don't think everything I do is is the greatest. Um, I certainly have seen other fan films, other things that were just as good or better than than what I've done. Um, but this I don't cons- this. I would never put this up against one last time or greatest show on earth or a live 96 because those had like a grand production behind them and a grand vision. Uh, this was just, this is my B side. This is something fun. All right, guys, you're not just pretty faces. Jump in. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Lonnie, that means you as well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for including me. Um, yeah, you know, we talk. You talk about HD. I, I, what I don't get, I was. I guess the original recording was HD, right? It it wasn't or of some so sort. It or, was standard definition. How do you so, upgrade, how do you upgrade that standard definition to well, HD? Well, and this kind of works into one of the questions that that Julian sent me uh, earlier today. Um, I got this uh, artificial intelligence software by Topaz Studios that basically takes your standard definition 480p video and upscales it to 2k hd so knowing that i want to use this for my next big project i needed something to i needed something that i could test it out on i needed to be able to learn the ins and outs of the software and determine what i could do what i couldn't do so i looked back at my body of work and i saw this tokyo show and i was like hey you know i i didn't really do a whole lot with it the first time i put it out so it would kind of be cool to spit shine it again and test out this new program hmm. because I know I want to use this program in the future. And I, I can't just test out the program with like little clips and bips and bobs here and there. I need to know how it is actually going to work in my normal software and how it's going to be able to actually handle the, this footage. So I took the standard definition footage from Tokyo and I upscaled it and working with the program i go okay I, I definitely see an improvement it wasn't just zooming in on the video and making the video as big as a high definition picture frame it wasn't that at all this program actually goes in and works and takes these pixels and corrects them and de-blurs them and descales them de-lines them it's it's amazing what this what this software can do and it is a, a paid piece of software so you pay to use it yeah. um but I was- um I was going to say, I mean, it looks pretty darn good. It's a pretty amazing, actually. And and why doesn't maybe then, if you ask about the, uh, or we talk about uh, KISS, you know, converting their, you know, KISSology series to Blu-ray or something like that, why can't they use some kind of software like you have or another one that's similar? I, I you know, I, I ask myself that question all the time. Um, who, what's the name of the guy that did Lord of the Rings? What's uh, the, the director? Jackson. Peter Jackson. Peter. I, I always forget his name. Anyway, Peter Jackson used a similar piece of software to upscale some of the Beatles footage for the mm. Beatles Get Back that just recently came out. So it, it can be done. Um, it's very labor intensive, especially if you're scanning this, these negatives and you're, you're doing everything yourself. It could be labor intensive, probably expensive. And I mean, maybe Kiss doesn't want to spend the money on something that they've already put out. Who, who knows? But it, it can be done. And just it's the quality varies. I mean, if you put shit in, you're going to get shit out. So um, I chose the the best thing 
to try this software out with. And uh, the results, they speak for themselves. I mean, you guys saw it. So um, yeah. it's uh, it, it was something it was a this was, was a, a, a this was a test. This was a test. Lonnie passed. <laughs> you know, I sat down and watched it Sunday afternoon. And the four, two things just stood, stood out to me. And one was the way in HD. I mean, I've watched this concert. I can't tell you how many times. But watching it, the way you redid it in HD, it just it just leaped off my television screen watching it. I mean, it was night and day compared to my Kissology version of it. I mean, it just totally just leaps off the screen at you. And and the audio is fantastic as well. Actually, the first thing I thought, I'm like, wow, this sounds a whole lot better than the bootleg CD that I have. <laughs> you know, and, and I've had that CD forever, but I was just like, man, that sounds incredible compared to, to the version I have. But, you know, and there's so many great parts of that show. It's such, it's such a great show, and it's Kiss really, it's, some people argue that it's Kiss really at their absolute pinnacle. Um, is when they go to Tokyo the first time, even before the Love Gun tour. And th- there's so many great parts of that show. It's just the classic Kiss show um, from the 70s. And Julian had mentioned that that one of his favorite parts is just the intro to Do You Love Me? And you see Peter Chris just smiling and hitting his drums to the rhythm of Do You Love Me? And it, I mean, that that's just classic Kiss right there. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's about as classic 70s <laughs> Kiss as it gets. So is there... Is, is there a part of that show for you, Andrew, going through this footage and, and syncing it up with the audio and, and, and making it your own? Is, is there a part of it that you, one, enjoyed the most, or, the, or is there a part for you that was, that was the most difficult to, to get uh, right? There's actually two parts that I enjoy the most. And okay. the first part is, for some reason, and, and I've, I've watched this so many times, I tried to play with it so many different ways, but for whatever reason the explosions that happened during Detroit Rock City never correctly synced up to the song and to the actual Lost Alive 2 record. The first one is fine, but the second one was off. And you could see the, because there's this, there's a wide stage shot at the beginning, and you could see the little, the smoke bombs and the flash pots going off. So no matter what I did, that second explosion, like you heard the explosion where it was supposed to be, but it never matched up with the video. And the band is playing in sync, but like this explosion is just kind of, you know, going off in the distance. So I was like, I was like, man, I was like, people are going to watch this and that's the first thing they're going to see. So what I did is I copied the video and I rotoscoped out the explosion. So essentially I had the explosion on its own layer. So what I did is I took the explosion by itself and I just moved it like, I don't know, 10 or 12 frames. So that way it lined up. So now the problem was, is you see two explosions going off. So then what I did is I, I duplicated the, the video again and I took some black video from like on the side of the screen and I just moved it over to hide the old explosion. <laughs> so so the explosion matched up. So now that's my favorite part because I watch it and go, oh, finally the explosion matches what I'm hearing. Um, my other favorite part is uh, God of Thunder which the beginning of God of Thunder is actually from Cobo Hall, January 1977. Why did I do that, you ask? Because unfortunately, the only copywritten KISS videos um, uh, that were registered to the domain of YouTube are the original Polygram videos, KISS Confidential, KISS Exposed, all those. So in extreme close-up, they show a clip of Tokyo 77, and it just so happens to be the beginning of God of Thunder. So if I didn't change that, it would have been blocked. 
and I wouldn't have been able to show this on YouTube for free to everyone. So I had to take some of God of Thunder from Copa Hall 77, and bam, I was able to put it up there with no problems. So, uh, so both of those are my favorite parts in the in the show. So you used AI and you used Andrew Intelligence as well to uh, get this uh, yeah. video working the way you wanted it to. Um, yeah. So did did the uh, you, you've changed the order right of mm -hmm. of the songs on this? Correct. Um, let's see what else. Um, are there any other changes to the overall show? You've used you've uh, obviously done some magic in order to sorry bad word. You've you've done some totally wizardry in order to <laughs> make things work out in terms of syncing. Um, what else have you changed in going from the original 4.3 version to the 16.9 HD, I guess? Well, so that's actually, you actually flip-flopped them. I originally started the project in 16.9, and it was basically a 60% a zoom in. So the actual video was 160% to fill up the whole widescreen mat, which... Once I upscaled it, I realized I was like, you know what? It looks better in 4.3. So the original one that came out in 2019, it's got a fake zoom in to make it widescreen. So it basically cuts off the top and the bottom of the picture or sometimes just the bottom, depending on how I had to position the actual image. Um, and this one is actually back to the original aspect ratio of 4.3. Uh, I've done no other edits except for those two that I mentioned. Uh, I got rid of the fade in, fade out between I Want You and God of Thunder, but everything else is exactly how it is on the record. And to get it to painstakingly sync up, I would sometimes have to take individual shots and either speed them up or slow them down, or maybe if Paul messes up a word like he did in Detroit Rock City, I would just cut to a, a, you know, a, a scene of the crowd. Or I took one of the other songs, like Take Me, Let Me Go Rock and Roll, maybe I took a little spot from there and covered you know, an ad-lib on another song. So I tried to be as faithful as possible to the show and to the audio because you got to suspend a little bit of disbelief here. It, you basically want to watch this and forget that you're watching a video from, from the actual Tokyo show and the audio from something completely different. So the audio, I want to go back to that for a second as well. Um, two questions on that. First is going to be a point, because I remember the auction notes um, back, I think it was 2004, for the Eddie Kramer yeah. auction, where reels were offered for the 7, I think, July the 2nd mix, uh, which I think this is, mm -hmm. um, of, of the album. And they did a remix later, uh, like three weeks later in July. Both those reels got pulled, so they've never made it out into circulation. But... One of them did note that there was molding on the edges of the reel, which often, when played through reel-to-reel, -reel, do result in the sound, along with the degradation of the oxidation on the media. So I, I'm going to guess this is the 7-2 mix, and that's just a point. Um, what was my other point? Shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you think about keeping the fade out and the fade in uh, present? Because obviously there was a tape flip um, for the original it show. Been, was it on... would have been an album flip, too. Yeah, well, it would have been. Uh, mm -hmm. That's why it was faded out, because the original, I think, sources were both on a pair of seven-inch reels with one side on one reel and one side on a second reel. I never thought about keeping it because I wanted to make it as close to one live show as I could. Uh, 
you know, there there wouldn't be any point for it to fade out and have it sit in black for two or three seconds and fade back in again. There there really wasn't any any reason for me to do that. Um, the only time I considered doing something like that is maybe I wanted to include the full Gene Simmons blood solo, which really isn't represented here at all, uh, it's especially in audio form. Uh, but it sounded too different. Like the actual raw Tokyo show sounded way different than the than the actual mixed Lost Alive too. So uh, there really was there was no I didn't want to get grandiose with it. This is just this was supposed to be something um, extra, something cool. So um, I always wanted to keep the order of the record, and I just wanted to keep the integrity of the video. Yeah, I like Eddie Kramer's production of this way better than Alive 2 proper. Me too. It Me sounds too. far more organic with that audience. Let's go back to you, Lonnie, for an, another question. Um, thanks, Julian. <laughs> I saw you back sitting you back. Studio. I'm back like, you. <laughs> he's, he's just he's just in trance. He's listening. I was, I was taking it all. He, in. He's taking it all in because he's thinking to himself. He's going. He's going. Man, this would sound a lot better. I, I went revenge. off about audio, and uh, all anyone's hearing is wah 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 wah. Well, you know what? I I got Go an ahead, obser- Go <laughs> I have an observation. Um, I, you know, in watching it, I don't think I watched it in, in quite a while. Um, uh, the the old video from Cosology, but um, in watching it, you know what? I don't know who filmed it, but they did a pretty good job of filming. NHK, uh, Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they did, and I liked some of the shots. I was thinking, I was watching some of the shots during, and I don't know if it was during God of Thunder or, what, or whatever. The the taking it from the side of the stage, kind of a shot, and you can see Gene, and and then there's you know, like Paul or in whatever order and Ace, and you can all see them just from that angle. You usually don't watch from that angle. And it's instead of, you know, always in for, you know, front. Um, and I thought, man, that, that's such a great, you know, shot they did. They, they did a couple of really great shots uh, during that. And I thought that was, you know, so, so cool. I, I hadn't noticed that before. And maybe it's because it's an HD. It just, it brought it out more. You know, clear because you can see in the distance, whoever's you know in the back. Uh, maybe it was Ace in the, the far, you know, farthest back or other side of the stage, um, and that was pretty cool. And the, the 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 other thing is, what would you say, Andrew, if if you know Kiss decided or Universal, let's say, decided to include this video as part of, you know, like a Kiss Alive Two box set. Listen, I I tell people this all the time because a lot of people, they ask, why haven't I been stopped or how can I do this and all this and that. We, we won't get any of that, that crap. How can you do this? But I've said – but this is my business card. This is my resume. I mean when you guys were looking for jobs – you know, in, in the early 90s, I, I just remember my mother would always buy all of the, the special kind of resume paper where it was yeah, like, yeah. you know, with like, it, I, I don't know, it, it felt like almost like poster board or it had like a certain feel to it. So you would want to dress up your resume to look the best or maybe you want to get the a color business card. So that's what this is for me. This is me saying this is what I can do. This is what I would like to do. And uh, I hope that if Kisco ever sees this, I'm really cheap and um, <laughs> they could just maximize the profit margin on that. But I, I would be jazzed if, if they took inspiration from, from this. I mean, um, we've talked previously about them 
possibly taking inspiration off other things that I've done, which is cool. Uh, but it, it would be cool if they says, hey, you know, we saw you did this. Um, you know, either they want the master files from me or they're just going to do it themselves and say they, they did it and mm-hmm. forget about little old me. Um, but it, it would be cool if they could, if it still exists, it would be cool if they could take the non-damaged reel and properly sync it. And, and just remember, too, the, the Lost Alive 2 because we're not sure of any uh, studio overdubs at this point, which I'm sure there may or may not have been. They have both of those shows, um, the 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. show, so why not just sync the actual video to the actual pieces of audio and and make it a cool project? They own it. They own it all. You know, I I was thinking the same thing that Ken had asked. You know, it, it is such a talk-about show among fan circles of of the these first shows in Japan and it's it's actually amazing to this day and and maybe maybe it doesn't exist the way they would want to release it but it, it's amazing to this day that with everything else that they've they've put out that they've never put out an official version of what was going to be alive too but they've never really completed that project and you know like like you guys said it, it was close to being completed before it was shelved and it is amazing that that nothing has ever really surfaced so you know, maybe, maybe I guess, I guess one way it could come out would be in some kind of a live two box set as like a, like a separate disc or, you know, and then you could talk about in the book that this was going to be a live two type. Yeah, that, that would be, that would be cool. It would be cool to, to keep this. It would be cool to, you know, remaster those 15 songs from a live two. It would be cool to include alternate mixes and demos of the studio tracks. And then, maybe in another disc include other live recordings that were worked up for a live two that never made it on a live two. Maybe our take me's and hooligans, things like that. Mm-hmm. I disagree guys. Oh, you know, oh uh, it should not. I, I don't think rock and roll party in Tokyo should be combined with rock and roll over. If that ever gets the deluxe edition. Um, I think that oh, should be point. kept separate. That's I don't great. think it should be combined with a live two, even though Beth at least came from uh, Tokyo 77.4 alive too. I think Rock and Roll Party in Japan needs to be its own box and could very easily be a multiple CD box, both versions of the show, the early July mix, the later July mix, um, and then the DVD which would have the reconstructed between the two shows. Um, you know, and they've got the full recordings of both. You know, they could easily make a very good Japan box set. Japan 77 box. Look at some of the stuff that the bootleggers are doing out there. Yeah, we get back to mm-hmm. yeah what the bootleggers do cost universal money if they do officially and all those roadblocks. But I think it was such an important tour for the band. It really stands to be honored on its own. I, I agree. I agree. That could be something really cool. You know, disc one is the early mix. Disc two is the later mix. Disc three is the DVD. And then disc four and five are the complete shows. Actually, you know what? They should do what Cheap Trick did with the Cheap Trick at Budokan box set. Because what they did is they released the full record. Then they released one of the shows. Because I think they recorded three or four shows at the Budokan in Tokyo for Cheap Trick at Budokan. And then they released the the concert on the on DVD. Kiss could do the same thing. Yeah, the same thing. And um, 
But, you know, I think, unfortunately, I think they missed the boat on this one because the physical media craze is is gone. Those Kissology DVDs or other DVDs and other packages, other box sets that were released in the early 2000s sold like gangbusters. You would go to Best Buy and, and all these stores and they would stock them and they would sell them. You know, imagine if this was worked into that Kiss Alive box that came out in 2006. I mean, that was cool. It was stuff we oh, already. Yeah. Ha- it was stuff that we had already had. Yeah, um, aside the, from that, the Millennium that was concert. official alive releases, you know. So I think it would have stuck out like a sore thumb. Save it for a record store day or an off the soundboard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Record store day. These were made awesome. to be a single LP, two sides, so a double one for an off the soundboard rock and roll party in Japan, you know, as a vinyl component and leave the the, bo- the grand box that we've uh, kind of detailed separate. I, I think there's still an asset to be leveraged there, especially at the premium price point that the off the soundboards are going. So you have one, one LP, the, the early mix in white vinyl, and then the, the late July mix in red vinyl, you know, the colors of the Japanese flag, you know, and, and that, keep the packaging the same that that would make sense to me as a way to use both of those and leverage physical um or, or even or even because we know that they celebrate record store day more than once a year even early record store day release one mix late record store day release another mix and get our money twice yeah, yeah here's <laughs> just releasing the same shit in the same year <laughs> same shit. yeah the, fan, the, same shit. the fans would have a have a riot i want to ask lonnie a question because we talked about my favorite uh moments peter chris drumming the intro that gets me every time uh i watch this and then ken i'm going to come to you on the same thing before going back mm-hmm. to andrew for more questions but did you guys have a favorite moment that really jumped out at you when you watched this the end i love i love the intro back then <laughs> of the band coming down off those Ooh. 70s risers. And then as they're playing Detroit Rock City, there's Ace still up on the stairs. That's such a that's such a classic look. I love, you know, you, you never, because, and that, that's something like I wanted on the reunion tour, but you didn't have the stairs. You didn't have that look of like Ace still up on the stairs while Gene and Paul are down on the main main stage. I, I love that image. Um, that's one of my favorite parts of that show, and it's very it's very u- unique at the top of the time. It was something that was never replicated um, later on. Even on the farewell tour, when they kind of incorporated some stairs back in to make it look more of like a classic '70s stage, you never really got that classic look of Aces up here and Gene Pollard down here. I love that of the '70s, and that that um, that the show really really terms showcases that very well and I, I really i don't know I, i've always for some reason that that may not resonate with a lot of people but that really just hits home with me as far as the 70s look goes nice ken what about you yeah I'm, i mean yeah i like like lonnie said the beginning and end and so on but I, I like the whole thing i mean the whole show is really good um it's it's classic you know classic kiss and i I watched it. I mean, I've seen this stuff before and kissed so many, so many times on video and concert. And but I, I was still just, you know, glued to my TV watching this thing. Um, and I, I, I really enjoyed the whole, the whole thing. And it was, there was no specific part of it that I thought was better than the other. Uh, I did like Andrew's little, little uh, edits that he put in there with the. Little in a flame or something, you know, and and then 
the the Japanese writing and all that. I love those little touches that uh, you put in, uh, you know, for you know each song and, and that sort of thing. I thought that was a nice job. It was very much of the time because if you look at a lot of Japanese yeah. shows at the time, there's a lot of like little animations like that. So even the the title screen where like I animated that Japanese flag to glow and drip blood, e- even that could have been a 70s style animation. So. I thought too a, a thing that that I that I wanted to do is I wanted to you know put the song titles on everything, but I was like, ah, let me put the song titles in Japanese. That might be cool. Yeah, Were those it, the it, same it, title it, overlays it, as you'd used previously, or did you do actually? New they're ones? not. <laughs> I did new ones, so I used a different Japanese font, and obviously because I went from standard definition to high definition, I had to remake them because they're much bigger in the in the new project. And Sorry, I took no. out I, initially. Uh, initially, there was it was Japanese and English, and then and now it's just Japanese. But we I, know the damn song titles. Yep. I interrupted you, Ken. You you were gonna finish yeah. a thought? No, I I'm just saying if it. I mean those those did feel like they, you know, belong there. Um, what you put in there from that time period, it it did have that right feel to me. It didn't like stick out like a sore thumb. Like oh, what the heck? That's you know shouldn't be there. That's so opposite of 70s or whatever um but it, it felt like it you know really really fit the video and the time period so what would you like to do with this or with other um video projects that you don't have the tools or know how to do at this point you know what what is kind of your dream project that you're, you're still wanting to do um, or is that a spoiler? I mean, no, no previews are thrown out there. Spoiler. Spoiler. It's, it's don't not don't a give anyone ideas. Anyone that, that has talked to me or anyone that has followed me on Facebook knows that I'm working on The Greatest Show on Earth 2, which is going to focus on the Hot in the Shade Tour. It's kind of something I've been talking about for years right now. It just hasn't really fit into what I was doing. So I knew that once I discovered this program that I wanted to present The Greatest Show on Earth 2 in high definition. But I didn't want to trip on my first outing in doing that so i needed a project to test this high definition software and that's what this tokyo project is so i'm still you know working on the greatest show there too i mean you know uh julian got a work print of it yesterday or was it today Today. it was today it was today um he got a work print of it so it, it it is done and um it's coming very very soon i have a release date uh set i already have some i got some stuff printed up already for it too um, so if you see me this summer, maybe you'll get something for free. Everything I do is for free. Um, but I'm not ready to talk about the date just yet. But just know that it, it is coming, and uh, it's more complete than it ever has been before. And me working on this high-definition project wasn't me putting Greater Sure the 2 on the backdrop or the back burner. It was me testing something else. That way I could do this for the Greater Sure the 2. Rock and Roll Party in Tokyo has a really strange level of notoriety in fan circles. You know, we, we do shows talking about our, our dreams and aspirations and the what ifs and all that. But this, this is a roundtable uh, part of um, this episode, really. I mean, what is it, Lonnie, that you think makes this show so damn appealing? We've been listening to this for how long? For decades. Uh, and it's always been a quest for upgrades to it. Hopes that something happens with the asset or the videos sound better or look better. Uh, it, it's like the, one of the few things in history that everyone always gets excited about an upgrade or a possible upgrade. You're muted. 
<laughs> and you're muted. Son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> it, it really is. It, it is one of those topics that, you know, you, if you sit around with your KISS friends or you're at a KISS expo, it, eventually this show gets brought, this this show and this time period gets brought up. And, and like Julian said, you know, it, it comes back to a what if. Well, what if that was alive too? You know, what, what, what would have happened from there? You know, they wouldn't have done another live show after they wouldn't have done another live album after after Love Gun. Would they? They wouldn't have done it again after one album. And, and it always goes back to that. But it is such an intriguing show. I, th- I think people are, are just intrigued by the mystique of, of Kiss going to Japan for the first time. You know, we, we've seen pictures of Kiss in those in those Japanese robes and, and things like that. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> from when they first went there, such an those were such iconic photos. Um, I don't know it, and I and I'm like I think I think it is kind of a white whale type thing where, you know, like I mentioned it earlier that well, wow, this sounds a whole lot better than my version. I think I think people are always chasing for that that better version of the show, whether it be video or audio or both. Um, and and, it, and like I said too, it it really is like Kiss at their peak, their absolute pinnacle at that moment going to Japan for the first time. And, and they sound so great. And the show is so great. So I, I think that's why it always, uh, why it is held in such high regard because it's at their peak. They sound so good. They look fantastic. And if, if you're going to show someone who has no idea about the band, nothing at all, it's a great example of what Kiss was at their absolute pinnacle. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a perfect choice. I'm going to just make a quick little correction to to what you said. I think Alive 2 was always coming. I think this was going to be a Japanese-only live record. Because there was a series of those. Uh, Cheap Trick at Budokan initially was a Japanese-only live record. And um, when it was started to be imported here, it was imported under another name called uh, From Tokyo to You, which was just a six five or six song sampler i have it in, in my collection but this was this was supposed to be addition in addition to kiss alive too i see um but for japanese only i mean at the time i mean it was a lot harder to get imported stuff especially something that was made only for for that country i mean we know that because killers was such uh, a shock to see in the united states when it was done everywhere except here so this was always going to be Japanese only. And, and for whatever reason, they decided to wait and do another live record after the next studio album. Yeah, Ken. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm with Lonnie on that. I mean, I, I, they were at their peak, I think. They weren't burnt out yet. Um, they weren't, you know, full of themselves quite yet with all the money and that was coming coming in the next year or so. Um, they were still hungry, and I think they wanted to put it on a great performance for Japan anyway. Going to Japan, you know, was a big deal, um, uh, a very big deal. So I, I think that was that was a part of their performance uh, being so good on that one. Um, and and the other thing is, I mean, the the sound, yeah, it was produced well. It, the sound is really good. Um, yeah, I'm used to, of course, Alive too, but that's that was highly edited and and you know the crowd noise was really really you know high in that one. Um, so I I would have loved to have had uh, that out. You know, well, 
the, the Japanese release um, in in addition to like to I guess in a way um, but uh, the other thing is I was wondering if you know Andrew might also want in the future work on the on the Dubai concert and put in put in some add add the audience into the and edit and get this guy out put in the audience and there's some audience uh, cheering uh, for that anyway yeah yeah as soon as the, that concert comes out in uh, july of 2025 man i tell you something i can't wait to wear my kiss 2020 hat goodbye in 2023 <laughs> no shit i mean come on so true uh, the, you know, jokes, the jokes are more optimistic right than Ken usually is. Yeah, and, even if they were going to do yeah. the vinyl now, I mean, think of how long it would take to get that pressed with current uh, challenges. Uh, yeah. And they still haven't gotten approvals, which Could be a is flexi just, disc. Flexi disc. It, it just boggles. I, I need old. to tune into today's episode of Three Sides, where apparently they go off on many of the recent failings, including that and how things, the wheels on the bus seem to have uh, fallen off yeah. uh, while the bus is still well, creaking forward in motion. It, it's, you know, it's going to be a weird thing with Rock and Roll Party in Tokyo if it ever does get released to hear it without the oxidization. Because even though, you know, there have been some fan remasters and there was another remaster after Anton's efforts that can use that as the base, I think. I don't remember the details on it, but the person involved in that had uh, gone all out to try and remove as much oxidization uh, through whatever means. Um, it didn't quite make it. My my brain seems to be wired now to know where that oxidization marks are. So it's going to be a very strange experience if it ever does get a proper official release in, in crystal clear quality. I want to keep this show to slightly less duration than the actual video that's going to be debuted <laughs> on April the 2nd. So where will people be able to watch... Uh, and give me the full proper title because I I'm, I call it what I want. Um, but let let's hear what the artist says. The actual title is a rock and roll party in Tokyo with Kiss, and I decided to add the with Kiss because you gotta have Kiss in the title. Uh, you'll be able to see it on my YouTube channel starting April the second. Why April the second? Because that's the 45th anniversary of the shows at Tokyo, April second, 1977. So tune in to YouTube at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On April the 2nd, I'll be there in the live chat with you guys, with you psychos talking about the show and, and about things you like, things you don't like. And, you know, remind you that uh, The Greatest Show on Earth 2 is coming this summer. So um, it's going to be it's going to be an, an exciting year. And um, hopefully people uh, enjoy some of this stuff that I really love doing. Awesome. You're going to Creatures Fest? I am. I am working for Mr. Peter Chris. In nice. at Creatures Fest, so nice. uh, you know, come by if, if you were able to get tickets to Peter's meet and greet. You can come by and you know wave hello. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll be there with uh, with Peter. Very nice, cool, very cool. Uh, all right, unless any of you have any final questions for Andrew, I think we can call that an episode. Um, do support the art; it's free. And oh, I totally didn't even include the, the actual URL. I mean, people are like, yeah, we're going to see it on YouTube, but where the fuck are we going to see it? <laughs> uh, the actual URL to, to view my channel, and make sure you subscribe so you can see everything when it comes out. It's youtube.com slash greatest show on earth fan films. 
and that's good for those who are listening to this episode and i'll make sure i put a link in the show notes all right andrew scambatti we're looking forward to it thank you for the advanced peek at it and uh thanks for your time and we, we shall see you as a regular panel member uh hopefully before too long definitely so for now from ken lonnie myself thanks for joining us we'll see you next time thank you for spending time listening to the kiss faq podcast today all sales are final there are no refunds if you'd like look us up on facebook or come over to the kiss faq message board and discuss the topic we broadcast today don't forget to rate us on itunes spreaker or wherever you've listened to the show we hope you'll join us again